Hey, what is up? Thanks for listening to Work Stuff. This time I met with someone who I actually have never spoken to before. Simon Chow is the CMO for bcjobs.ca, which is a Vancouver-based job board website. He also runs a couple podcasts. One is called Marketing on Mars, and the other is called Innovators. It was cool to meet Simon and hear about his early career goals, which were in finance, and then how it pivoted over to marketing, and now he's really focused on building communities and running his two podcasts. Thanks again for joining, and I hope you enjoy the combo. Welcome to Work Stuff. Can you see my screen? No, I don't think so, because it's just for listening. I'm the guy who brings up work stuff at parties. My name is Andy, and I want you to join me. Work Stuff. Professional stories casually told. So, Simon, thanks for joining me, man. I really appreciate it. I uh, did some research on you a little bit just to see what your background was like, and you're the first person in marketing that I'm going to be interviewing. So, yeah, I would love if you could just give a brief intro of yourself, really quick, and just go over like what you're doing now, where you're from, and what your what your what, what kind of title you would give yourself. Yeah, I'll give I'll give a really brief intro. Uh, born and raised in Vancouver, British Columbia. Got a finance degree, worked in finance for a year, hated it, left, uh, was very fortunate. I had a friend who was starting a cryptocurrency company. I didn't have a marketing degree, but he's like, hey, do you want to write for me? At the time, I was like, uh, I was writing a lot for mining, mining and oil and gas companies. And, and he was like, you know, you're able to turn these super technical topics and turn them into very easily readable and easily digestible content. Can you do the same thing for blockchain? Because blockchain was very technical as well. And I'm like, okay, yeah. I'll give it a shot. Started writing. One thing led to another. Learned SEO, learned PPC, learned about PR. One year in, all of a sudden, I found myself as a marketer. And I'm like, hey, that's a quick and easy way to become a marketer. Just worked for a startup for a year. Uh, did yeah. that. Fast forward, worked, worked in agency for a little bit. And then four years ago, left agency. Joined a job board in Canada. Now I am still the CMO. And uh, what else? I advise a couple of B2B companies, uh, more go-to-market strategy and uh, and more in branding. Have a couple of podcasts and do a bunch of community stuff. So, yeah. Love that. There's, there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack, I'm sure. I know. We'll I'm excited. Dive into everything. Yeah. No, I, I, I love that. Um, I, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, for sure. So let's start with you know, 18 year old Simon going to school and you, you said you studied finance. So what was your thought process for studying finance then? Oh man, just wanted to make money. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. Not going to lie. Not going to sugarcoat it. I, uh, 18 years old, I was still trying to find my way. Like I wasn't sure. I really wasn't sure what I was going to do. Like mm. I was kind of going between like, did I want to be, did I want to get into accounting or do I want to do acting at the time I was doing a little bit of uh, really? like theater and, and improv. Yeah. I was like, okay, maybe I'm going to do that. Um, and I think that's the reason why I gravitate towards marketing as well. Cause I like to be creative and mm -hmm. come think outside the box kind of thing. I had no idea what I wanted to do, man. Like I grew up, uh, single mom household, mm -hmm. uh, didn't have a lot of, uh, you know, didn't have a lot of mentors, didn't know a lot of people, didn't have a lot of money. So I was like, what's, uh, what's the one degree that I could get that I could potentially make some money in. And at the time when I just applied for university, I got rejected to every single university I wanted to go into, but like, I really wanted to be a banker because at the time investment banking management consultant was still very hot. Yeah. Still a lot of money. Marketing was still kind of like, what is this kind of, kind of, it was like, this was like 2009 and I just on a whim just got into it. I've met a lot of cool people, um, but ultimately, I, you know, after one year of working in finance, like never waking up at five thirty a.m. again to beat the market. Like I'm never doing that again. Wow. Um, I was looking at your at your work history. I don't even see the finance background on there at all. It seems like it's like a forgotten past life almost. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, people. Yeah, people that know me will, will, will know that I that I started off in finance, but honestly, it was like a one-year gig. I don't even remember. I happened to even look that far back. Yeah, 
Yeah, this is just, this is before uh, I worked at Litecoin for I uh, Litecoin for a little bit mm-hmm. through through an agency, and yeah, it was literally just before that. So, so first uh, work experience on LinkedIn is 2017, but I worked in finance 2015 to 2016. Right on, and so, so you were going for like a banking type of career. Um, I used to work at a fintech startup, and so oh, nice. I, we used to like recruit former accountants all the time into sales or customer success because they're just so tired of that life right and and they're also like auditors usually were you thinking of an audit um career at all or, were you, or was it more of a bank industry oh or just not question. even not even sure i yeah i'm not really sure at, at the time i was just like i think my personality is super black or white, which is not a good thing in marketing. There's a lot of gray. I'm learning, I'm getting better. But at the time when I was young, I was like, investment banking or nothing. Like it's either investment banking. And then maybe I had like a plan B for management consultant, but I really wasn't thinking that. So I only had the plan A, which was get into investment banking. Uh, did all the networking and everything. Finally broke in to like a kind of smaller boutique investment banking company, eventually got bought out by a larger company. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, there was no, there was no plan B. And I think as a founder, I founded a couple of uh, agencies. And as a founder, you kind of want to just have, there should be no plan B. Because once you have a plan B, then you're like, you're kind of giving yourself excuses. Oh, you know, if plan A doesn't work out or, if I don't give a hundred percent now, that's okay. There's still plan B, but when there's no plan B, this is it. Like you gotta, you got, you gotta make it work. Right. Totally. And I don't know where I learned that from. Maybe, maybe it was my mom, you know, my mom didn't have like a really solid, she didn't have a really good educational background, but I learned from her, like she had no plan B, like she had two kids, single mom, like there, there was no plan B, like she had to make it work. And right. uh, she taught me the meaning of like hustle and grit. And uh, so much of my career growth and everything that I've done, we can talk more about the podcast that I run or the mm-hmm. community stuff that I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the stuff that I did was like brand new. I'd never done it, but uh, there was no plan B. It's just like, go for it. Yeah, um, I love that. And I was going to ask if you were like a first generation college student too, because like, I mean, um, it's yeah. so pro- props to your mom for, you know, getting you there. That's, that's a huge accomplishment. Yeah, first gen. I was actually the first, uh, I believe I was either the first or second. Oh, actually, no, like second or third cousin. And I have like a huge family, like, mm. like 60, 60 family members in North America. Mm. I was like the third cousin to go to oh. university. Yeah, it's that's awesome. Wild. That's awesome. And I was at in, in Canada still. Yeah, in Vancouver. Yeah, very cool. I'm curious about that decision of like, okay, banking or this finance industry isn't really for me. You know, I don't, it's, you know, it's not, it's not my personality or it's not the daily life that I want to live. Like, okay, so how, how did that transition happen? Because most folks don't, I mean, there's networking. Most mm-hmm. folks don't know how to make that kind of jump. And we used to like look for people like in that position at a previous company and be like, hey, like, Cold calling is not very fun, but it beats the hell out of like auditing, right? <laughs> like you might as well join us. Uh, how'd you find that kind of transition? It was it was a lot of luck because my friend uh, that I knew at university uh, was starting a cryptocurrency company. But before that, like how I how I was even on the radar for him was started writing on this site called Seeking Alpha. And this is a very old site. I think you might know it. A lot of like uh, millennials might know it. Very popular site back then. It was kind of like as popular as LinkedIn is now. Like everyone now blogs on kind of like blogs and write their thoughts on LinkedIn. But back then, Seeking Alpha was a great tool for any investment advice or tech advice. So I started writing on there on my own, on a whim. Um, And it was just like, I I just wanted an outlet to be creative. Um, and I just kind of went for it. Uh, cool. I, cu- I had a couple of mentors that told me, if you don't know what you're going to do, just start writing or mm-hmm. start something, build, build something, either start a blog or start a website or start a business or start a podcast, mm-hmm. whatever it is, just start building something. And then you'll figure out the answer afterwards. Totally. Um, and, and this mentor, Brian Peshbraga, 
he was very instrumental in the early stages of my career. And I just started writing. And then from there, like actually I became the, the number four, I was like ranked number four in, in Canada for mining and oil and gas articles. Wow. And I was getting like a lot of eyeballs. And then, uh, and I just kind of talked about it. Like when I, whenever I met people, I just kind of talked about, Hey, not sure what I wanted to do, but I'm, I'm doing this writing thing. And yeah. then I met this guy at a, par at a party and, and he's like, you know what? Maybe you can write for my company. And then every single time I felt lost, uh, I felt a little lost with the, after the cryptocurrency bust of 2018, mm. when Bitcoin fell from 20K to like 4K. Yeah. After that happened, uh, there weren't a lot of rules. And I was like, what do I do next? And I, I started, uh, started an agency, uh, got together with a couple of friends, just started an agency. And that grew to, from zero to six figures per month in revenue. And then same thing when, when COVID hit, uh, the role that I'm at now, BC jobs, they run a lot of events cause they're a job board, right? So they'll connect job, uh, job seekers with recruiters. They did a lot of events and when COVID hit, uh, obviously no events could be done. So again, back to your drawing board, like, what do we do now? We can't do events, but what can we do now? So. We started doing like virtual events and we started a podcast and we started virtual hangouts, hangout groups, started do just started, uh, doing things. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that, that mentality of just do it, just start, like, don't worry about how you're going to perfect it. Don't worry about like, oh, you don't know everything and just kind of waiting for the answer. Don't wait, just do it. And like, I've always had that mentality. It's just like, there was no hesitation. Like as soon as I had that first offer to, to jump ship and leave finance yeah. over to the marketing, marketing side. I just thought, let's do it. Let's do yeah. it. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. You have to, uh, especially when you're young, you got to like jump on those opportunities when they're presented. Okay. I wanted to ask you about starting an agency. Cause like, I feel like within that goal of starting an agency, there's like a million little steps that you got to do and think about. And it's like, risky right because you're you're the boss right you're you're uh there's no the buck stops there or with you right i've always wondered like if i were to ever do something like that there's got to be just a million things you got to do and i have no idea where to even begin so how did that even look for you with your with your partners yeah it was it was interesting it was the first time i ever well i was very fortunate like my my partners they all had their own uh they were all incorporated i was the last to incorporate so i I incorpor I incorporated and all the money flew, all the money went through my corporation and we just kind of split the money that way. It was very simple. Like there was, you know, as an agency, agency is very, very hard. So especially it was my first business. I just wanted to do it. Like I did it mostly by myself, but with some partners, right? We didn't incorporate together. I didn't incorporate with anyone until like 2020 was the first time I incorporated with someone. Like I just, just wanted to do it, do it on my own, which is a mistake by the way. Like I, I mm -hmm. wish earlier on, I would have trusted more people and did more business with other people. Yeah. I just incorporated it is the incorporation part. It was a simple part. That was the easy part. The hard part about a business is growing the business. Yeah. Right? So I found that my, where my skill set lies and, and the reason why I by the way, I'm not in an agency anymore. Mm -hmm. I ran an agency for a year and I realized that I wasn't in love with agency as well. I still love marketing, but I didn't love the agency world. Um, I ran that for a year. Like I said, I grew that to six figures per month in, in revenue. It's still running today. There's still a team that's running it today, but I'm not involved with it as much anymore. I'm, I'm an advisor, gotcha. um, but I realized that um, my, my, my skill set is in marketing and the creative side. And with an agency, that is only like 33% of agency world. And the other, the other 33% is like building teams so that they, so that, and creating systems so that, you know, projects can run smoothly. And then the other 33%, the most important critical, the critical 33%, I believe is sales. You right. have to have leads and you have to have sales. Otherwise agency, agency life is hard. It's not easy. And you have right. always have to have a flow of, uh, of projects coming in. And that was like my weakest, uh, side and, and, and the side that I didn't really enjoy doing, I like more the marketing side and the creative side of things. Sure. Right? 
so yeah, like I've kind of exited myself, still kind of like a silent advisor slash partner there, but I don't really run the day to day, but yeah, there's like a million things, like you said, for, for an agency to run well. And that's one of the reasons why a lot of agencies, I would say like a majority of the agencies can never break the six figures, let alone break seven figures because it's a tough business. Like I have a, I have a mentor. He has an agency that does a hundred million dollars in revenue. And that's like a, an anomaly. Like yeah. they've been in business for 15 years and they work with some of the largest companies in the world. I think they work with Microsoft and Arcturix and a bunch of big companies. They were actually on my podcast, not released yet, but will be released in a couple of months. But, um, yeah, the agency world was tough and I realized it wasn't hundred percent for me. So, um. You know, I'd rather be, I'd rather be a team builder. That That's, sure. that's what I'm at. Yeah. And, and the, uh, the agency, the services that you're providing are marketing services, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. started off as an SEO and PPC agency. They, they still do that, um, today. And, but yeah, I, I think they're, they're doing okay. Like they're still servicing the same clients as they, as they were when I first started the agency. Back in 2018, a lot of the clients, I think majority of the clients are still with them today, very long-term clients. Cool. Um, but it's just kind of, yeah, not a lot of growth though. Right. Cause I kind of stepped out from the, from the sales yeah. side of things. And let's be real right now is not an easy time, right? Right now we're kind of in a recession. It's a tough time for agencies is what I heard of, of a bunch of friends who have wall agencies, but now the agency world is tough for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I work in sales now and, uh, I work with sales teams and I hear the same mm -hmm. story over and over. It's like, it's this, it's a, it's a cannibalistic world. Like we're all customers and vendors of each other. And so when the broader economy is a little slower, it's like this sales team isn't hitting. So they, they can't move their projects forward. So then those vendors, it's like, it's downstream effect down to the little guy like me. Um, it's definitely <laughs> Definitely feeling it all the way down here too. But I was asking, cause like, I imagine that's just insanely competitive. Like there's so there's gotta be so many different options for a company like Microsoft to go find an agency. And like, how do you retain that business? And that, it must be really uh, stressful to like keep that business and have it keep coming in with new projects. So I yeah. totally understand that. Yeah, so, so hard. And I did the, the only reason why these clients have been with us for so long is we're, we're very fortunate they've been doing very well and they continue to do what like they haven't seen a decline like recession hasn't hit them really hard so they're still doing okay and it's like the core team have has stayed there right have team members that a lot of team members that I hired back in 2018 they still are there and so they still continue to run so that's so that's cool but yeah i i usually like i'm more of an advisor i come in i, I come in only when they have to restructure the team or maybe they're adding a new service or something, but I'm not involved with the day-to-day. -day. My day-to-day, -day, it's, it's um, primarily BC, BC jobs, all the community stuff that I'm doing. I have a community, I have a community just for founders. I have a community just for LinkedIn content creators. I have a community just for young job seekers and professionals in the Vancouver region. I have another community just for HR people. So like between running all those four communities, cool. BC jobs and the two podcasts, that keeps me pretty busy already. Yeah, I imagine. Um, I, I would love to dive into the community side of things because, uh, I mean, especially in the, today's world, like I, I use a lot of these two, like little sales communities. I'm curious if you use like Slack for these or what, what kind of platform do you put these communities on and are they gated by a paywall or anything? Yeah, I, I tried using Slack. But Slack has been, I don't know, I, I, I'm sure some people use Slack really well. For me, uh, Slack hasn't been the best tool because most people use Slack for their own work purposes. So they don't want to mix community stuff with their work. Uh, that's what I've found. And so I have, um, I have a community. My, my only virtual community is the one with LinkedIn content creators. So I have, a, I have about about 30 LinkedIn content creators, uh, we meet once a month and we just connect and we talk about LinkedIn and content, you know, some of the biggest wins on LinkedIn and some of the biggest challenges and what do they need? And we just get together and just chat. And that is just 
there's no, we're not, we're nowhere. We're just, there's just a Google calendar invite. You come at the last Tuesday of the month and we just meet and we chat. If, if you haven't come to two or three, then I remove you from the list. It's very yeah. simple. Like Fair. you just, we don't have a, yeah, like we're, we're especially LinkedIn. Like most of the LinkedIn people that create good content are usually founders or founders of of some sort or like senior uh, leaders and they're busy people, right? So we're all adults. We don't need to be like, we don't need to be reminded um, like, Hey, there's going to be a meeting this Tuesday. Like, I don't, I don't have time for that. So uh, mm -hmm. like our last, our last meetup, we had about 23 people show up. I took a photo of it, screenshot right there on LinkedIn. And uh, since then, we've gotten like a lot of requests uh, to join it. It is curated. Like you have to be like a senior, um, senior person at some company doing cool things, which is very vague. Yeah. Uh, you have to be, you have to be active on LinkedIn, which means you have to post at least, you know, once or twice a month. So that's the only thing that's kind of quantifiable. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you have to be like overall, like nice and not super salesy. Like you're not there to sell your service. You're just there to learn from other people about LinkedIn. It's strictly mm -hmm. a LinkedIn community. So cool. what I found about community is like, as long as you create rules and you're strict with curation, so you're not just allowing anyone in, mm -hmm. then the community just kind of grows, uh, grows on its own. Like I started this community a month and a half, two months ago, started with like eight people in a room and then 10 people and then 12 and then we, I think the next one is happening at the end of this month. And, and it looks like there's already like 32 people, uh, nice. that are SVP. So it's pretty cool. I mean, it's super smart. I like your criteria and I like to filter down between who should be accepted into this. Um, cause already like LinkedIn is such a good opportunity for content creation. Cause like 1% of people on LinkedIn are actually creating content. And most people are like just doing their job and like reading it all and soaking it in. So like, if you just post regularly, like people are going to see it, it's going to get a lot of eyeballs. Like it's free, you know, it's free eyeballs really. It's all about yeah. that. Well, 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 your time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the time that it takes for you to post. And yeah, I've set myself like a reminder, a daily reminder, like post on LinkedIn. And I get to that point in the, in the day on my calendar. And I'm just like, oh, I don't know. I don't know what to say. And if I don't have anything to say, I just move on. <laughs> but uh, I wish like what I want to do is like block off time, like once a week to write like four or five things and then just schedule it out and uh -huh. like forget about it and just start getting like hits on hits on your content like oh yeah i forgot about that like great i can comment on. Hey, you should join you should join our, our i would love to yeah i would I, love to yeah i'd see i'm looking at yeah. your linkedin you're, you're pretty active i think you're posting yeah, yeah. like once a week kind of thing i try yeah i mean my content strategy is literally just like kind of like what you said like go with it when you when i think of it i just don't second guess and I'm like oh it's an idea jot it down post it move on and like go somewhere else so i try to do that as exactly. often as i can yeah yeah, that'd be cool. I'll be down. I'm not, I'm not sure how I was going to ask because I wasn't sure how senior you want because I'm, I'm an individual contributor right now, but we're also, you know, a 10 person company. So, yeah, I mean, you also, I mean, you started a, you started a podcast. That's pretty cool. I don't know. Let's, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it after sure. I, I don't want to reject you. I don't want to reject <laughs> you live on your podcast. <laughs> uh, it's okay. I work in sales. I get rejected literally all day, every day. <laughs> so it's okay. Yeah. So what, um, what other communities do, do you run then? What's, what, what were the other, was it two more? Yeah, I have one just, uh, just for founders, right? Yeah, um, cool. So on my podcast, Marketing on Mars, um, I oh. only interview C-suite and founders on the show. And so over the last eight months or so since starting, or nine months or so since starting the podcast, I've met a lot of cool founders. So I'm like, why don't I just get the founders together? And we'll have happy hour drinks together. And we'll talk about our biggest challenges and what do we need right now? What are we working on that we might need support from other founders? Cause you know, as founders, it, life gets kind of lonely. There's a, mm. not a lot of people that can talk about things that you want to talk about things like growing, um, like growing your middle management, right? Um, how do you inspire middle management to grow into leaders? Do you hire someone that's overqualified or underqualified? How do you rebalance? How do you uh, aim for profitability? D do, do, you, do you take on outside investments or not? Like there's a lot of things that 
as founders, we're constantly being bombarded with, with a problem. What, right after one fire is put out, there's another fire. And, you know, when I look around my friends, I love my friends, but a lot of these things I can't talk to them about. But right. when, I, when I meet other founders, many founders in a room, they're going through the same issues as I am. So I'm like, let's bring these founders together. And it started very similar to this um, virtual LinkedIn community. I think the first one that we did back in October last year was the very first one I did. I just brought a couple of um, founders together that came on my podcast. We just had a beer together. And then, you know, after after six shots of tequila, we're just like, why don't we invite some of our other founders? Yeah. You know, brilliant idea. I'm like, yeah, okay, let's do it. Didn't think it was going to happen. But the very next week, uh, we, we, we got together. 16 people came out to that one. Cool. And then from 16, 16 founders, and then we grew to 30 founders. Yeah. And then now it's like just hovering between 20 to 30 founders. And I kind of want to keep it that way because after you have more than 30 founders in a room, you don't get a chance to meet everybody. And then it, it, it gets really tough. So I think like, you know, for all the people listening that are looking to create founder communities, it's like a small, you know, 20, 30, very curated, right? And mm -hmm. back to curation, you, you don't want... You know, if your idea is to have founders talking with other founders and being able to talk about issues and challenges, you kind of don't want someone who is just thinking of being a founder to be in that room because they're not going to be able to provide much value, nor would they understand what everyone else is saying. You also don't want founders that are like two months into their founder journey because they haven't experienced enough issues to be able to contribute to the conversation. Again, right. they probably wouldn't understand what other founders are talking about as well. Um, nor do you want founders that are like, you know, founder of Microsoft, you know, like big companies, like those people, their issues are going to be completely different. So you just kind of yeah. got to know what the room is like and then find other people to come to, to fit in kind of like a piece of a puzzle. And that's like the hardest part about community management. Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah I was like gonna, that's, the other, that's the other group. Yeah. I was going to ask if, um, you limit it by revenue or industry somehow because i know you probably have connections with agency founders um uh, but I, yeah, I was curious if like you have like mostly on the creative side and like agency or do you have folks that are like um b2b SaaS and or like maybe they make their own app or something uh, or if it's a pretty yeah. wide variety of different types i try my best not to have agency people mm -hmm. there because i because I know most agencies are, like I said, beginning to probably struggling okay. to find leads. I yes, don't want them to use this as a, as a platform to, uh, to sell their services. Like I, I, some agency leaders, like I like agencies that are doing well, agencies that are, that don't need more, more projects. Mm -hmm. Um, so there, there are a couple of agencies that are in the seven to eight figure mark that, that come to these, uh, uh events. That's cool. But aside from that, I like people that are building, people that are building and, and like testing new things. And, um, so we have a, bu a bunch of SaaS guys, of course, mm -hmm. every, every, a lot of companies in SaaS. We have, we have a lot of e uh, a few e-com companies that are, that are doing well. Um, and a, a couple of ex founders that are now mm -hmm. looking to acquire. Oh, cool. Um, right. Or looking to sell like those kind of people, uh, couple of VC guys will come out here and there because they always want to meet more founders and they will actually be able to provide value. So I just want the room to be able to give value to, to one another. Right. Yeah, for um, sure. And, that, and then there's me, I've, you know, I, I just like bringing people together. It's, it brings me so much joy to have, you know, I bring a friend together and another friend together and then they click and they go out and they have like. I love that hot pot together or like they have burgers together and they're just talking and it's just, it's like, it's so cool to, to validate that I have good people around me and then they find value in each other as well. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I love that, that, um, when that happens to like two friend groups from different worlds kind of collide. And then I, I noticed this happened recently with a friend of mine where like we had people over for my kid's birthday. And like, uh -huh. they like said hi to us and, and the kid and then went to another friend of mine that they met last time at some event. They're like, hey, how's it going? I, I, I sent you that thing, right? Did you get that? I'm like, what the heck? You guys have been talking to each other? Like, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, I yeah. love that. Yeah. yeah. I saw that you uh, 
were I think at least connected with Sam Parr or following Sam Parr um, mm. with the My First Million podcast, and his, or, or maybe it's from the Hustle. Um, I was curious if you we were following what he's building now because it's it sounds similar, but I think prob- I think he has a limit of like a certain level of revenue for folks to join. I think it's called Hampton. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if you're following that much. Yeah, no, I follow that. I, I don't know yeah. exactly what the cost it is to join. But yeah. I know of a few other people that are in his caliber. Mm-hmm. It, it's almost like a mastermind group, right? So like, you, you know, you're paying like 15K, 20K to join. Um, yeah. It could be cool. It, it, it could, look, it could be cool. And I think there's yeah. definitely, uh, there's definitely uh, time and space for that. Um, haven't gone to that level yet. I mean, he's been, he, he's like, he's definitely someone that I look up to. Like he's done an amazing yeah. job with his podcast. I've learned a lot from him and just like keeping things real, you know? So a lot of my, a lot of my events and a lot of my community, uh, the things I do in the community or even my podcast is all around that. It's a, it's about creating a environment where people just feel like we're all just friends. Um, and we're all, and it's just super casual conversations, no selling, like, no, Mm -hmm. like first build a relationship. And if something comes out of it, then it comes out of it. But like. It's more about right. being like curious and and creating like a good vibe. I mean, yeah. good vibes. Love that. Yeah, it's it's really smart. It's a good good uh, north star to have. So let's chat about your your podcast then. Um, what what spot what spawned the idea to go into that? I know you mentioned like um, the pandemic hit, so like there weren't these in person events anymore. Um, and I feel like man, podcasts have been around for so long, but it just took off during the pandemic. Um, and so it sounds like you were able to ride that wave. Um, what, what prompted the idea and like, what, like, I guess I'm curious about your idea of like, what should we create if we're going to create a podcast? Like, what should it be? And like, how did you come up with that idea and, and like launch it? Yeah. The, the, so I, I've, I'll say this preface it. I have two podcasts. Mm-hmm. The first podcast that I, the first podcast I created during the beginning of the pandemic was for a job board. It's, it was called innovators mm-hmm. and, and the whole point was. Um, the first three months of the pandemic, people were job seekers were kind of like, what the heck is going on? All these companies are freezing, hiring. They're not hiring. Are they still hiring? They had so many questions. So I'm like, okay, why don't I bring some of the companies that are posting on our job board, get them on a podcast and answer these questions that job seekers had, like, are, are we, is the world on fire? Like, am I never going to get a job again? How do I stand out? How, are you st- like, are you still hiring? Um, or like if you're freezing hire, when are you going to hire again? There's so many questions. So the podcast started in literally two months after the pandemic, June, uh, May, I think it was around May of 2020 when I started the first podcast and it was just to answer all these questions. Uh, we did, we ran that for two years, two and a half years, grew that to about a hundred thousand downloads, 400,000 views. Um, and, and then the pandemic kind of ended, right? The world kind of went back to normal. So then the team and, and I, we got together and we're like, m- maybe it's time to get back into in-person events. Mm-hmm. So we kind of slowly dipped our toes into events in October, November, and now we're going to be heavy. Like this month, we have three events alone this month. Cool. Um, and so that po- podcast was on pause, but then when we started a second podcast called Marketing on Mars, cause mm-hmm. I mean, we were, we already bought the. We bought the ring light, we bought the mic, we bought all this stuff. We have yep. video editors. We're like, it'll be a waste if we just threw everything away. So right. I said, why don't we start another podcast? Uh, but this time let's talk about something that I'm passionate about, which is marketing. So mm-hmm. came up, came up with the idea uh, during a shower or something or a run marketing on Mars, uh, ran 10 episodes of it. And like we were, we were bombing. We weren't doing well in terms of views, we were, mm-hmm. we were getting like four, 400 views at most, which is about a hundred downloads per episode, mm-hmm. uh, which is way worse than the first podcast. Mm-hmm. So yeah. actually, actually like, you know, I'm slowly starting to talk about this now, but the first three months I was actually the first month and a half, I was actually considering, like really considering maybe we should just stop the podcast. Mm-hmm. Maybe we shouldn't just do it and just go straight heavy for events. And that, but before that, I told the team, like, uh, let's, let's try one last thing. Cause I think there's just too many podcasts, like you, to your point, I think there's just too many podcasts out there and we're not standing out. 
So how can we stand out? So I'm, I, I got together with the team. I'm like, let's think about, okay, everyone go around the room. Let's talk about one or two shows that you really like that you will watch over and over and over and over again. And then why? Um, and the one show that always popped up was Hot Ones uh, by, oh, by, nice. um, by, I think, Sean Evans. And they, they, they eat spicy chicken wings, right? You know the show. Everybody yeah. knows the show. Yeah. I was like, why is this so good? And like, people, it's like, I just like seeing people die eating right. spicy things. It's right. just like, it's just like this fetish of ours that's inherent with every single human being. And I'm like, okay, let's add hot sauce to the show. And so we, uh, episode 11, we decided to increase the level of difficulty of the questions. Mm. So I'm going to ask tough questions to marketers that they would probably not want to answer in public. Things like the revenue numbers or what's their cost of acquisition or what's the LTV? Um, what are the secrets behind email marketing? What are your open rates? What are your click-through rates? Like things like they probably wouldn't share in public. Mm -hmm. And every single time they can't answer a question, we take a shot of hot sauce on the show. The very first episode we broke, we broke a thousand views and then 2000 views, 3000, 4000, 5000 by, by the second month. So eight episodes into our test, one of our episodes broke uh, 16,000 views. And then that's when Microsoft caught, caught on. We got the VP of Microsoft on. And then the wow. CMO, of, CMO of Alioga came on. CMO of Stack Overflow. CMO of Aura came on. Wow. And Peloton came on. Uh, we had Sam Rush come on the show uh, just literally a couple, a couple of weeks ago. And it's been nine months. It's been super duper fun. Um, cool. I've had to up my, my, uh, speaking game a lot. Cause you know, I'm speaking with very good speakers. I think overall from a personal development standpoint, I've grown a lot, obviously the podcast do well. Um, but it's just been like super, super fun. I, I highly suggest anyone who doesn't know what they're doing, start a podcast. Yeah. That's, that's such a cool story, man. I love, um, I love the exercise with the team. Like, it's like, okay, it's not working here. Where is it working and why? Let's just like dissect what's working. It's like, okay, hot, hot sauce works. Like we can do that. That's easy. Yeah. Um, I love it. And I like the, on your LinkedIn profile, you have like a chili pepper <laughs> icon. Is that, is that why? <laughs> yeah. And now <laughs> apparently that has become a staple. Like whenever people see a chili pepper, it just like people just remember my name. Uh, cool. Like. There's a, there's a guy on LinkedIn that is like, I don't know if you heard of this guy. He, uh, he just sells, he sells cookies. Oh, and so I, he has a, maybe, yeah, you might know he's called, he's known as the cookie guy. And so he has a little cookie next to his name, a meeting with him, I think next week, just so we can chat. Cause I love what he's doing. I love, I love when I see people that are doing really well with personal branding. Mm -hmm. Um, he's known as a cookie guy. And there's another guy who has a ninja next to his name and he's just the email ninja and just everybody has their own thing. Um, the hot I love that. Guy, I love apparently. it. Yeah. I put a little emoji in my name just cause I wanted to see who's got the auto like sequencer stuff going. Like, so mm -hmm. I know who's like actually typing my name and who's not, but, um, I like that branding perspective. I definitely like. I'm leaning into this this year with the podcast and that's kind of, it's like, um, stuff I got to learn for sure is just like the personal branding side of it and, uh, doing things outside of the box. Like right now we're just interviewing, talking back and forth. No one's going to like yeah. see this and be like, oh, I got to listen to this. Right. It'll, it's more like, yeah, a, like uh, I'm built building the, the skills, but, um, I love that exercise though, of like dissecting what works, re, re you know, let's figure out what, where the, the, the wins can be found with a low hanging fruit, um, and then just rolling with it. So I, I wanted to ask, um, like how did, how did like big, um, marketing names like that get onto your podcast even like, like did they organically find it or did you go and have like an outreach effort to do that? A little bit of both. Okay. Right. I think in the beginning, in the beginning, it was definitely majority outreach, right? Mm -hmm. Cause, uh, in fact, I was probably rejected a lot more. I, I think my I think I was getting three out of two out of 10 people would say yes to, to me, to join the show. Cause it was like, who is this guy? Right. Um, 
mm-hmm. and what does this show? So now it would be, yeah, we, we actually have a lot of it, uh, referrals. So, uh, surprisingly a high number of referrals, uh, come in and the, Hey, X, you know, CEO from this company, so a friend of mine, I saw in your episode, would love to join, um, kind of thing. And that, and also, you know, in addition to that, we're actually getting like probably six out of 10, uh, outreach is, is accepted oh, on the show now. Nice. So, so as a result, we're doing less outreach, we're getting more referrals and the show overall is just a lot more steady. Like we have a really steady flow of guests now, whereas in the beginning it was really hard. It was really, really, really tough to book guests. Um, yeah. Like that's the hardest part, but once you break through that, like little plateau, once you break through that, then it just, then it just like life becomes a little bit easy. Um, but then we'll, but like I said in the beginning, as a founder, once you put out one fire, there's another fire. So yeah. for us, the fire, the fire now is we have too many calls, too many requests coming in, right? <laughs> like Good I was looking at my cal, I was looking at my calendar last week. I had like there was one day I had a I had eleven intro calls, mm. and you can imagine thirty minutes per call. That's like six almost six hours straight of calls, right? Yeah. And so I so I told my team cut it cut it down, like cap it at five. This this is actually two weeks ago. Like cap it at five calls, like the most five calls. If you see five calls on my calendar, move it to another day. Um, and and they've been doing really well, but like one fire leads to another. Um, YouTube recently came up with the algorithm change. And so mm-hmm. our view, our, our views on YouTube have been, have been affected. So we're trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, is it the hashtags? Is it the length of the video? We're just trying to test things out and trying to like get back on the, on the, on the YouTube view trend. Like, cause we did really well on YouTube uh, mm-hmm. for a little while. Um, but yeah, just constant, it's always fires. Yeah, to- totally. That's funny with YouTube. Like. One, one week, it's like a whole, it's a whole different algorithm. And, and you're like, well, how do we like tailor things to fit that algorithm? And it's like, you know, can we all just stay on the same one for a little while longer or give us a heads up? Um, I, I imagine yeah. you're doing like YouTube shorts now, cause I know that's like a big thing now. All the, all the YouTubers I follow are now like posting all these shorts, which is fine. It, you know, it was a big thing, Yeah, but now too many people are on shorts. Yeah. Right. So now it's not a big thing. So yeah. it was like, that, that's what I'm saying about fires and trends. Trends move mm-hmm. so quickly. Like when we started marketing on Mars, YouTube shorts just launched two months before us. And so we started push, we started pumping out a lot of short content. Uh, we, we, we got over a hundred and hundred and forty thousand views in seven months on, on YouTube, just on YouTube. And then we had another 150 or so on TikTok. TikTok does really well and still does well. Uh, but YouTube, like it was really, really good for like a solid eight months. And now I think their algorithm changed like a month ago. I guess that would be like April, around April, they released an algorithm change. I don't know what they're pushing now, but our short content has been crushed. We haven't done anything different, but it's been crushed. And uh, we're trying to figure, we're trying to figure that out right now yeah yeah there, there's like a handful of youtubers i'm kind of like a super fan of like i'm a baseball fan so i'll follow a few like youtubers that cover baseball and i see them doing like these shorts and i'm just like what are you guys doing this isn't this isn't for you like you got to stop doing this it doesn't really resonate stick with your long form content i like that so i thought it was yeah. funny that all these youtubers are like we got to invest in shorts and it doesn't really land well for every every type of creator well well even well even uh like take take the um, my first billion the mm-hmm. you know, sam Parr and uh sean Curry, mm-hmm. right uh there my my first billion podcast was it, i think before the algorithm changed to shorts there mm-hmm. each each long form video would probably get hundred thousand two hundred thousand views mm-hmm. per long form after the algorithm changed, uh, last June or July, uh, 2022, their, their long form went from six figures to down to five figures, like 10, 15,000 views per short, uh, per, per long form, but their oh, yeah. shorts have done better, but their shorts have done better. Mm-hmm. Right. So 
you know, when you focus on shorts, your long form gets affected. Mm. And when you focus on long form, your shorts get affected. So like, I, I've noticed that every single channel wins in one category. It's, it's hard to win in both. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Because then the, then the YouTube algorithm was like, well, what are you good at? Are you good right. at short or, or long, long, long form? Um, but that's just also YouTube is trying to figure out their algorithm to compete against TikTok, right? Yeah. Uh, Shorts was supposed to be like a TikTok killer right. to try right. to, you know, try to keep people on short form on YouTube. But I think YouTube is maybe they're realizing that they're not as good yeah. on, on, on shorts. Um, I don't know I what don't, it is. I mean, we'll, I, we'll I know in a couple of months. Yeah. As a consumer, I don't go to YouTube on my phone to watch short videos like I do Instagram or TikTok. Like, no, I have it on my TV. Like, it's on my Roku. Right. I want mm-hmm. a big, I want basically a show. Right. Um, that's interesting. Um, well, hey, man, I know we're coming up towards the end here. Um, I wanted to just wrap up and ask a couple questions. One is um, just like more about work from home in general. I know you're in, you're an agency. Mm-hmm. It looks like uh, I'm guessing you're working on a home office. Um, but I was curious if you are like pretty bullish on the work from home environment and like if your team is all remote and all that, or if you do a hybrid thing and, and like, where, where do you kind of stand on that in terms of like the work economy? Like what, what do you prefer? I guess. Mm. Yeah. Me personally, I've, I've been remote since I started since, since oh, yeah. 2017. Yeah. Nice. I'm very fortunate. Cool. As soon as, as soon as I left the banking world, I've been remote ever since. Cool. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of the remote environment. Uh, but I always say this to my team, like, it's just whatever you, whatever you want, whatever suits you. We have some people that really loves being in the office. And so for those people that are based in North America, we get them a WeWork pass so that they can have the feeling, they can have the feeling of being in office. And we sometimes do meet at WeWork because we have the, we have the, uh, the fob and we can access Mm -hmm. WeWork anytime Mm -hmm. and we'll have meetings there sometimes. And Mm -hmm. You get free, you get free drinks, you get free kombucha and all that stuff. So it's like a really nice environment, but some people just want full remote. So we don't force yeah. them to come in the office and you stay remote and that's totally cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I think from what I know, at least my team, I think every single team is different, but for my team, majority likes the, the remote environment. And so we leave it that way. We don't force them to come into the office. We don't even force them to come into the, for the, you know, the meetings even for the hybrid, you know, like no. once a once a month or whatever. If they're not if they don't want to be in the office, that's totally cool. Honestly, with tech with technology nowadays, this feels like in person. It does. Yeah, to me, me, yeah. Like for it sure. really feels real. Yeah. yeah, I weirdly feel more comfortable on a Zoom call nowadays. Like when, when I have to get a business meeting done or something, like I'd rather be on a Zoom than an in-person presentation or something. I've, I've made some really good friends virtually, like <laughs> yeah. really good friends. And like, totally. You know, I like your energy as well. And, uh, but like some of my friends will meet actually virtually. We met on LinkedIn and we'll meet once every two weeks, once every three weeks kind of thing. And we'll just catch yeah. up. Um, but that's why I like the, that's why I like the big monthly uh, month end party for all the LinkedIn content creators. Mm. Everyone gets together. There's no agenda. There's no sponsor. No one's uh, like, I'm not selling anything. It's just, we're just connecting and it's everyone benefits from the personal brand anyways. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we just want to get people that are build, building a personal brand together to support each other and support each other's it. personal brand. Sounds good. My, my other question I want to ask, I like doing this just to ask, like, I know you have your own two podcasts. Are there any others that you listen to? That you would recommend folks listen to, even if it's not like related to work or whatever. I'm just curious what you kind of entertain yourself with. Yeah. If I mean, anything. this is pretty, this is pretty cool. This is a cool podcast. I like, I like the chill, the chill vibes. <laughs> right on. Uh, anytime, anytime you have a chill vibe is good. I always tell people like when, when you get, when you get someone who is a chill, uh, guest, uh, and, uh, listen to the podcast because you can actually learn a lot and you can maybe sell to them. Mm. That's what I always tell people, like, especially the long form, a lot of people don't want to listen to the long form, but like, if you want to sell to this person. Right. This 60 minute in, in like clip will tell you everything you need to know about this person. Yep. And so totally. now when you, when you send them a cold message on LinkedIn or a cold email or whatever, you can refer to exact lines of things that they talk about. Um, I do this a lot with, uh, yeah. like before I reach, before I reach out to a CMO or CEO, mm-hmm. I've already done research. I know what they talk about. 
And then I'll be like, you know, I love what you talked about X, Y, and Z. Would love to talk about that further with you on the show or whatever. Um, in terms of actual podcasts, like honestly, I don't listen, listen to as many podcasts, but when I do, it would be like, uh, really like Patrick Bet David, Valuetainment. Oh, okay. I'll check it out. I haven't yeah. heard of it. Yeah. He's pretty, he's very good. Uh, someone I've followed for years now. And so I just felt, I, I just feel he's so down to earth and so honest with his answers. And I like people that are just like straight shooters. So he's really cool. Um, my first million is cool. Like they really are just two bros talking with other bros. And yeah. that's the, that's the kind of vibe that I, that I love as well. Like my best friends and I, we still do stupid things. Like we make stupid bets and loser takes a shot of hot sauce kind of thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's why, that's why I like bringing hot sauce on my show. Cause I feel like I'm being the most authentic Simon. Right. Cause that's actually what I do with my friends, with my best yeah. friends. Um, I, think I, don't don't too. I don't know if I can commit to taking a whole shot of hot sauce <laughs> above my, I could like, you know, take a lick or something, I guess. Yeah, no, oh, man. it's like a, Intense. it's like a, it's like a spoon like this much. Okay. Right not, I mean, Ugh. it is a lot if you're doing the high level stuff. Yeah. But I like to, I like to feel out my stomach on the day and then go like, what level do I feel like today? I'll go with that. I like that. Very cool, man. Well, I, uh, I really appreciate the time. It was awesome to, to meet you and learn about your work Likewise. history and well, thank you, man. And learn about, uh, marketing on Mars. Um, really cool idea. Um, and I'll, I'll definitely check it out. Um, so th thanks for joining Simon. I really appreciate it, man. Yeah. Awesome. Sweet. Thank you. Thanks for joining work stuff. Can you see my screen? No, I don't think so. Cause it's just for listening. I'm the guy who brings up work stuff at parties. My name is Andy and I thank you for joining me. Work stuff, a podcast. Professional stories casually told on work stuff.